Isn't that true of our relationship with the Lord as well? Things are much better when we are secure. There's some scripture that speaks to that in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 27, 28, and 29 speak of the wonderful truth that we in Christ are forever secure. Follow along the reading of God's word. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Father in heaven, thank you for this strong, powerful word that speaks to every believer, every Christian, every child of God that has been born again and that we are safe in your hand because you're in the Father's hand. We are doubly safe. May we rejoice in this wonderful truth. May we reflect it in our life. May we not abuse it. I pray for those that have been misled to think that somehow or another salvation is one momentary decision in life and then the rest of the time they can live forever. Living like there is no heaven. Living like they've never been saved. Father, I pray that today you would teach us by your spirit through your word. And teach us of this wonderful truth. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is the spiritual birthright of every Christian to know that they are saved. The Bible does not teach a salvation that someone can have and not know it. Not be aware of it. As Christians, we don't have to wonder If we are saved, we don't have to hope that we are saved. Salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can sing as we've done this morning with blind Fanny Crosby, who wrote the words to that wonderful hymn. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We have a taste ahead of time, a foretaste of glory because Jesus is. Is ours. You can say that if Jesus is yours. Now, the security of the believer is what we are speaking of this morning, but what do we mean? When we speak of being forever secure, what is the security of a believer? Well, we mean that once a poor sinner, and that's all of us, But once that a poor sinner has been regenerated by the Spirit of God through the Word of God and that he's received new life and a new nature and he's a partaker of the divine nature that once he has been justified from every charge against him because of sin before the very throne of God 
It is absolutely impossible that that individual, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, that child, that genuinely trusts in Christ alone for salvation, it is impossible that they can ever be unsaved, unborn, unregenerated. That's what we mean by the eternal security of the believer. But let me also tell you what we do not mean. Sometimes that helps us to grasp a definition. But by being eternally secure, we do not mean that if one professes to be saved, and then yet he comes forth from that meeting, he's been baptized or he gets baptized and he participates in the Lord's Supper, Just because he's done those things, he may never have had any change of life, change of character, never tasted of the divine nature, taste and see that the Lord is good, never experienced genuine regeneration, a new creature. That which has never existed becomes existent. All things, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul said that uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. Old things passed away, and behold, all things become new. It does not mean that just because one joins a church, makes a profession of faith, or is baptized, or partakes of the Lord's Supper, or, or takes an interest in Christian work, that that person is forever secure. There must be a new birth experience. As we look at our text in John 10, verse 27 to 29, our Lord is giving a deeper deeper explanation. Anytime you study the scripture, always look at the context. Don't just pull a few verses out. What is Jesus saying here in this? Well, he's dealing with these Pharisees. And look what he says to them. If you back up to verse 25, he says, I told you and you do not believe. They had asked if that he's, are you really the Christ? Jesus said, I told you and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe. Why? Because you are not my sheep. Jesus is saying to them, those Pharisees, you're not believers. You're not Christians. You're not born again. You're not saved. All the terms we use to describe the new birth. He's saying that to them in this simple phrase, you are not of my sheep. But then he turns it and he, and he describes his sheep with the passage that we've read. And in describing that, he's showing that we are forever secure as the Lord's. My sheep hear my voice. These were not his sheep. But his sheep possessed this eternally secure in Christ. This morning I want to rejoice around this truth of verses 27 to 29 by making, pulling out three declarative statements, three declarations that Jesus is making. Using the words of Christ, I see three Grand truths 
that stand out for us to embrace, to grasp this wonderful doctrine, teaching of eternal security. Declaration number one, he says, My sheep, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep, declaration number one, is simply a statement of proof of salvation, proof of assurance. My sheep hear my voice. And look at this, and I know them. We often hear talk about us knowing the Lord, and that's right. The word there for know is, is a word in Greek that means experiential knowledge. And so obviously the Lord is saying, I know them by experience. We often talk about we know the Lord, but it's better, isn't it better that He know us? That's the, go, the glorious truth. That's the, the assurance. He says, my sheep. You'll not have eternal security if you're not His child. If I was of the mindset that did not believe in the biblical doctrine of eternal security, this would bother me. Because he says his sheep do have this. Are you, are you condemning yourself to not being of his sheepfold? By saying, I don't have security of the believer. My sheep. He's talking about people who belong to him. He's talking about saved people. One of the arguments that's often put against eternal security is this little saying that we often use. And there's, it's a true statement, but it's abused. But we've always said, once saved, always saved. And you've got someone over here that's taking that phrase and they're living like the devil. They, they, they may have been saved, but they're so far out of fellowship with the Lord that they're not a, a, a good testimony. They're not bearing much fruit or more fruit. If any fruit, continually. But there are so many that are lost that are saying, once saved, I walked an aisle as a, as a seven-year-old. I walked an aisle when I was a teenager. I did this and, and because I was going. But I hadn't been back to church. I, 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 do, I do tend to live like the devil. But thank goodness I once saved, always saved. That's not what the doctrine teaches through the years. I've sort of tweak that, I think we ought to use the reference when saved, always saved. Because he says again in this passage, my sheep. He was talking about true sheep, those who were really saved, not just those who professed to be saved. The kind of salvation that Jesus is describing here in this text is one that is proof. It is a proof of the kind of life that his sheep possess. So let's look at this proof. It's given in verse 27. He mentions two things. My sheep, hear my voice. He's not speaking of an audible voice in the sense of like, do this, do that. It's not, he's not, he's speaking of hearing. He's speaking of the voice of God that we get through His Word. 
I have no doubt that God can, can prick the heart and can move and we can think as though God spoke audibly to us. I, I, I don't struggle with that. But, but folks, if you want to hear God speak, get into his word. He'll never say anything contrary to what his word says. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Earlier in this 10th chapter, verses 4 and 5, he says that his sheep, the sheep follow him and they know his voice. He's given the picture of the true shepherd. The, his sheep know him and follow him. They know his voice. And they will not follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. True sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. They don't listen to the voice of strangers. Matthew Henry, the... Uh, Scottish Bible commentator, teacher uh, of yesteryear says that, that, that the Lord's sheep have a discerning ear. Do you hear his voice? One of the marks of a saved person is there's a discernment that God is speaking and he's speaking in accordance with his word. They hear his voice. That's proof. Do you hear the voice of God speak to you through his word? The gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit guide you uh, as you read the Word or maybe as you've committed it to memory through the years or if you've studied it and that teaching comes back to you by the Spirit. That's God speaking, hearing His voice. But another characteristic or proof is they heed His voice. They not only hear it, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They follow me. Do you hear God speaking to you through his word and do you follow what he says? Do you heed what he says? To be saved means that a person wants to live for the Lord. Is that desire in your heart? When you became a believer, God gave you a new set of want-tos, a new set of desires. Our wants have been changed. I want to worship the Lord. I want to gather as the church. I want to study God's word. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to please Him. Do you have that set of wants in your life? My sheep hear my voice. They hear and they heed. It says they follow me. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 describes why many people aren't following the Lord that at one time or another came into the body and uh, you know, maybe made an outward decision and such. But 1 John 2, verse 9 says, For they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they may be made manifest that they were not all of us. John describes those who just made a false profession, a sham. If you will, save people will hear the Lord's voice and they will follow him. That's his sheep. And when he's describing those who are secure forever, he says, it's my sheep that are secure forever. My sheep, the ones who hear my voice and heed my voice. There's a second declarative statement that's found in this 28th verse. This is a promise. Look at the declaration. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. 
Isn't that wonderful? Look at the promise that he makes. Look at the promise that he says. I give them eternal life. Who does he give eternal life? His sheep. The ones who are giving proof that they're his sheep. Through hearing his voice and heeding his voice. He says, I give to them eternal life. I love that phrase, eternal life. Folks, if you could lose it, it wouldn't be eternal, would it? If you could somehow or another have it one day and not have it the next, then it cannot be called eternal life. The security of the believer is that God is keeping us. Not us keeping ourselves, but God is keeping us secure. Look, look at this. Look how he's describing it uh, here in this, this text. There, uh, first, he describes it as a gift of God. For he says in verse 28, I give them eternal life. What is a gift? If you come over to my place, my house, and, and, and you, you work in my yard, when you get finished, if I walk up to you and I say, here's a gift, and you unwrap the box and there's a cupcake in it, you're going to be kind of put off a little bit, aren't you? You're going to say, look, I've worked 10 hours in your, your yard and, and you're giving me this for my work. You're calling it a gift? That's great for the gift. Give me my wage. Folks, if salvation were by what we earned, by our works, he would not say, I give to them eternal life. It, this is the word of God. This is the scripture. A gift of God. And notice this. He says, I give them. He does not say, I will give them at some point in the future. This is present tense. His sheep have already been given eternal life. If you're a child of God, you hear His voice, you heed His voice. If you're one of the Lord's sheep, all who believe are his sheep. All his sheep will believe. Think of that statement. But, but he, he, he says then, I give them eternal life. Not I will one day, someday, if they've been good enough, or they live long enough, or do all the things, join the right church. He says, I give them eternal life. Eternal life is not something we receive in the future. Eternal life is a gift that we have at the present. If you're saved, you don't have to wait until you die to receive it. I'm as just as much an eternal being now. Now my body's not, but my soul is eternally. Eternal life. I give to them eternal life. Reiterating that if it were not eternal he wouldn't have used the word here. God didn't by accident, Christ didn't by accident use words. It's chosen, spoken correctly. He gives us eternal life. That's a gift of God, but there's a guarantee here as well. This is a promise. Wrapped up in that promise is a gift and a guarantee. Look at the guarantee. Verse 28 says, And they shall never perish. Jesus tells us not only that we have eternal life, but He guarantees that we have eternal life. They shall never 
perish. It couldn't be any plainer, could it? They shall never perish. The word never in the Greek language is a double negative. Now in the English language, we're discouraged properly to speak proper English. We don't use double negatives. For example, I I would not say we don't never use double negatives. That's a double negative in itself. But in the Greek language, when they did use a double negative, it was to strengthen. It was the force of it. That's the beauty of the uh, Koine Greek, the, the beauty of that, uh, that language, common language, is that even in the writing, it gave force. We have to use bold or all caps or something if we want to give force. But here he says, uh, he, he, he's saying a double negative. It, it means... Not at all. And he strengthens that. Um, uh, While it's improper in English, it's certainly not in the Greek language. They shall never, not at all, in any case, ever perish. The strength of what he's saying, the guarantee here. Not at all. In no time or place or purpose, male or female, perpetually or eternally, ever perish. That's the security that we as a believer in Christ have, that His sheep have. Can you say that with certainty for your life? Do you have that to embrace, to hold on to? Jesus says you will never perish And if Jesus said it, folks, that's a guarantee. You'll never perish. It is impossible for him to lie. God cannot lie. He will not break a promise. And so we have a declaration of the proof. We hear his voice. We heed his voice. We have a declaration of the promise of security in that it's a gift and a guarantee. Look at this, the end of verse 28 and verse 29 as well. Here's the third declaration in Jesus' words. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And my Father who gave, has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Jesus is teaching here that it's not up to us to keep ourselves saved. We are safe in His hands. We are secure in His hands. Children are always better, we believe, we feel like, when they are secure. God's children are secure because of the double security. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know. He wasn't trying to keep himself saved. He was persuaded that God kept him saved. God is keeping us. And so the place of our keeping is described here. No man shall pluck us out of the Savior's hand. Verse 28. The best hands to be in are in the hands of our Savior. I've that, that Allstate commercial 
Uh, Dennis Hazert, I believe is his name, the, the actor. Boy, I wished I had his voice, but he does that. You're in good hands with all state. You know, I wish I could talk like that. But, uh, uh, and every football game, you see that thing that comes up through the goalpost and catches the football in those good hands of all state. And they give scholarship money and stuff like that. Unless you go to Ole Miss, they don't kick it through the thing. They miss. But anyway, um, those good hands, the, the place of our keeping are in the hands of the Lord Jesus. How, how wonderful that is. And it gets even better. Look at verse 29. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Folks, we have double security. And what an affront it is to our Savior and to the Father who saves us and keeps us for us to believe for a moment that it's in us. I want you to see the power of the keeping. It says no one could pluck, is the old King James, or snatch, the new King James used. Nothing could pluck us out of Jesus' hands or out of the Father's hands. No one can break that grip. No one that the Father and the Son have on us. The power of the Father and the Son are greater than any earthly power. Listen, friend, if you're God's child and you've been born again, the power of God in keeping you saved is greater than your failures in the future or your failures of the past. Well, I'm not advocating going out and living any way you want. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is, has a grip upon us. We are secure in Him. No one can seize us. No one has the power to do that. One of the most precious doctrines of all of the Scripture, and it's rooted, or this doctrine is rooted in this one, and that's the sovereignty of God. There's not a doctrine. I've been seeing this quote from Charles Spurgeon, but it's so true. Nothing is more hated by mankind than the doctrine of God's sovereignty. Man wants to believe he's sovereign. And I think that's at the root of what some people want to believe about. Well, I found the Lord. I did saving myself. And I'm keeping myself saved. Nobody ever really says that, do they? The grip that the Father and the Son have upon us is greater than the power of any man, any demon, any devil. Paul said it this way in that beautiful Romans, the 8th chapter, that there is nothing that can separate us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He had posed the question earlier, if God be for us, who can be against us? What security we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing truly secure in this entire world is the person who has been saved by God's grace alone. The hymn writer said it, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me He hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for His own. I know, not, I know how this saving faith to me He did impart, nor how... Believing in his word wrought peace in my heart. I know not what of good 
or ill may be reserved for me, of weary ways or golden days before his face I see. But I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Three declarations in these three verses. One is a proof. My sheep, they hear and they heed the voice. One is a promise, a declaration of promise that's a gift and a guarantee from our Lord. The last one, the last one is a uh, wonderful, joyful permanence that we have that no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. Do you know these truths this morning? Do you embrace them? Have you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ? I know a lot of people get confused in this terminology that's used and when the Lord calls, talks about his sheep and, and such, and you may say, well, I wonder if I'm his sheep. Listen, folks, if you know you need to be saved, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. His sheep will believe, and believing will make you his sheep. Are you trusting in him? then you can be eternally secure only through what he did. Isn't that a grand and glorious teaching? Not so we can go out and live like the devil. Not so we can go out and somehow or another uh, turn away from the Lord. But because we are his, we are secure. Come what may. I hope you can say that. I trust you do. Father in heaven, I thank you for this simple word, Scripture. Father, while this doctrine is often hated by many that do not hold to this truth, we pray, Father, that only those who genuinely are saved would use this and embrace this. And Father, if someone's not saved, then I pray today they would never say that somehow or another they are okay. But it's only in Christ that we are secure. May he be glorified today is our prayer. Move in this time of response, Lord, and may you be glorified in your church is our prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.